Destiny Church is a spiritual hospital. And when everybody thinks hospital, they think sickness. Like hospital is where sick people go. No, hospital is where people go to give birth to babies. You see, your perspective of a hospital is all determined based on what floor you're on. Because there's certain floors where there's joy, there's certain floors where there's pain, there's certain floor where there is uh, the birthing of something new, something longed for, something excited for. I think about even the floors where there's pain, there's even joy on those floors. Because as family members wait for their loved one to come out of that surgery or out of that tragedy or out of that trauma and that doctor walks out and says, hey, everything is good, they came through it, okay, they're gonna have a clean bill of health. There is a joy that erupts in that moment. And, and, and the reason why I say that is you, you, you don't give birth to babies on the surgery floor. You don't do, do open heart surgery on the cosmetic surgery floor. There, there's different floors for different procedures. That's how Destiny Church is set up. Uh, Sunday service is one floor. 21 days of prayer is another floor. Uh, connect groups is one floor. Uh, dream team is another floor. And, and Catalyst is, is a different floor. This is the, the delivery floor. This, this is the floor where, where people begin to give birth to something that's been anticipated for a long time. This is the floor where the family sits in the lobby kind of wringing their thumbs because they're wondering how, how much is he gonna weigh and, and is she gonna look like her mama and, and what's the personality gonna be? This is the floor when what God has placed inside of you is ready to come out. I wanna to preach to you tonight from the topic of the making of a miracle, the making, the making of a miracle. John chapter one, verse 29, and it says this, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I have said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. He was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And Jesus bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining. See, prior to this moment, the Holy Spirit had descended upon Samson for him to push down the walls of the temple. The Holy Spirit had descended upon Samuel and Eli for them to prophesy. The Holy Spirit descended, but then he actually went back because there wasn't a vessel that was fit for him to descend and then to remain. But because of the blood of Jesus on the cross, the Holy Spirit doesn't just tiptoe on our lives in moments when we need him and then go back to heaven, but he resides within us the same power. Anybody, look, ah, I don't 
don't know if you can shout at your neighbor with your mask on, but just, just look at him with prophetic eyes and just let him know you have no idea who you're sitting next to. You look like you're sitting next to a normal person. You, you may think like you're sitting next to a normal human, but get that preacher voice. Just tell him, don't, don't you know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling Ask somebody, do you know who you are? Ask somebody else, do you know what you have? Because the Bible says that we have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I think we wouldn't cry so much if we knew the power we had access to. I think we wouldn't complain so much if we knew the power that we had access to. I don't think there'd be so many sleepless nights if we just caught a revelation. Come on, prophesy, say, God, Give me a revelation of the power that resides in me. I do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Let me paint a picture. John the Baptist is baptizing people. Jesus comes down and John screams out, this is the Son of God. This is the Holy One of Israel. This is the one that is so holy, I am not even worthy to tie the laces on his Nikes. This is the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. Fast forward in Matthew chapter, two verse, I mean chapter 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison, the tables had turned. At the beginning of this process, John was the prophet, the voice in the wilderness saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Thousands were hiking out. <laughs> Before people went to strange places to hear Kanye West in Sunday service, <laughs> they were going to strange places to hear John the Baptist scream out in the desert, the Messiah is coming. Fast forward now, John's in prison he had heard about the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples and said to Jesus, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go tell John the things which you hear and the things that you see. Here's what you need to tell them, that the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of how long a miracle takes. What is it about life? that can put me in a position where I say, here comes the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the maker of heaven and earth, the one that, that I'm not even worthy to tie the, the laces on his sandals. Then you fast forward through a pandemic, through a miscarriage, through a job loss, and all of a sudden it becomes, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or should I look for somebody else?
Because they told me that you were the king of kings. They told me you were the Lord of lords. They told me that you were the great I am that I am, but, but it's not looking that way. It's not working out the way that I thought it was going to work out, and now I'm second-guessing the miracle that you promised me. Now I'm second-guessing what, 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 what things were told to me because it's not looking the same. Jesus said, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed, the lame walk, the dead are raised. The gospel is preached. And blessed is a Christian who's not offended by the process. Blessed is the believer that'll trust a God even though they don't know what he's doing. Blessed is the person that doesn't need the owner's manual, but says, God, I trust you. Holy Spirit, we pray in this moment, God, that you would impregnate us with faith. God, that miracles on the inside would come alive. Speak to us, we pray. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Somebody shout amen. The purpose of Catalyst is to keep the heart of Destiny Church focused on the supernatural. The purpose of Catalyst is to keep us in a position where we're always believing for the supernatural healing of God to touch those that are sick in our body. The purpose of Catalyst is to always have our eyes locked on heaven, expecting God to do what what is impossible with man, but is, is not even a sweat for God. You see, if you're not careful, you you can get so accustomed to your faith that you forget that your faith is not based on the disciplines and the principles of, of a wise life. But your faith is based on one who said, let there be, and there was. Your faith is based on one that was stretched out on a cross and hung his head and, and did not, was not murdered, but gave up his soul willingly. And in that moment, it says there was an earthquake and that tombs cracked open and people that had been dead for years came back to life and walked around because of the power that was released in this moment. Hear me, this started with power. There's going to be power in the middle. There's going to be power at the end. I believe Destiny Church is on the verge of one of the greatest miracles we have ever experienced in the history of our church. I believe that God is up to something. Above the surface, it may not look like much, but below the ground, there is something rumbling. They just put, I believe it was Alaska or one of those uh, western, northwestern states on notice because there was an earthquake that had taken place. And they said, because of the earthquake, there's a possibility of a tsunami coming. Now it looks normal, it looks average, it looks like not much is going on, but based on the tremors that are going on below the surface, there's a chance that something is bigger than you have ever thought, asked, or imagined is getting ready to come your way. If you look at the surface, it may look like a normal Sunday, it may look like a normal season, it may look like nothing much is going on, but I am praying that God would give you the eyes of the Spirit because we don't live by sight, we live by faith. If you can just see that something is tremoring below the surface. God is getting ready to do something supernatural in this church. It's not good English, but it's good preaching. Somebody say, I is this church. Hear me. I believe that you are on the verge of a miracle. 
You, one of the things that God has sent me tonight to do is to bring some clarity to what the last few months of your life has looked like. So often there's like these disconnected events, tremors, that, that we think are isolated circumstances, attacks of the enemy, situations designed to discourage us. And, and if they're completely disconnected, it's just drama and a frustration here and annoyance there. But when you begin to connect the dots, you begin to realize that the enemy senses something that I don't even sense. The enemy senses that God is getting ready to bring favor on my life in a new way. The enemy senses that there's a miracle that is pending with my name on it. The enemy senses that there's a door that's getting ready to open that no man can shut and he's trying to steal my faith he's trying to discourage me he's trying to cut me off but if we could only recognize that those tremors are not happenstance and random circumstances but it is indication that a miracle is on the way somebody say a miracle, miracle. is on the way there's certain ingredients that every miracle has every miracle has a problem Every miracle has an impossibility. The definition of a miracle is when God causes something that is impossible to be possible. So in order for God to call something that is impossible to be possible, there must first be an impossibility. There must first be a problem. You know, we shout when we say, we serve a God that raises the dead. But before you can raise the dead, there must first be death. We serve a God that calls things that are not as though they are. Somebody say amen. amen. But before he can say it is, it first has to be not. And here's the thing, because we don't understand that problems and impossibilities are a key ingredient to a miracle, we hate problems. We hate impossibility because we don't understand that a problem is simply bait to bring the supernatural power of God in my life. Now hear me, a, a miracle does not require a tragedy. A miracle only requires a problem. I've heard it preached before that if you need a miracle, you're mismanaging your life. That just doesn't make sense to me. Because the Bible says in Psalm that God loves to display his power before the people. That miracles is not something that God does to rescue someone who's mismanaged their life, even though he will do that as well. You know how your mom or your daddy or somebody told you, you made your bed? Now sleep in it, don't do that. Make your bed and then take it to Jesus and let him remake it. He will get you out of a tragedy. But you don't need a tragedy for a miracle, you just need a problem. So I've learned how to create problems for God. Because the greater problems that I have, the more miracles I can find in my life. God, God, I have a problem. What's your problem? God, I'm too generous. What do you mean? God, every time you give me something, I give it away. God, every time you bless me, I bless somebody else. God, God, it's like as soon as it hits me, I'm saying, okay, who get, God, God, I have a problem. I'm too generous. I need you to fix my problem. He said, great, I'll give you more than enough so that you can be generous on every single 
sanctification. A problem is an ingredient for a miracle. Another ingredient for a miracle, every miracle needs faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I don't know about that, Pastor, because remember when Jesus was walking and there was a woman that had a son and he had died and there was a funeral possession and Jesus stops the funeral and, and he raises the boy to life. But that woman didn't have faith for that miracle. She didn't even ask. Remember, when Jesus came to earth, he gave up his divinity, took on humanity, and he walked this earth as man. Not to be God going around and doing all these different things, but to demonstrate how we should walk on this earth. That's why the Bible says, as he was, so are we. So it was actually Jesus' faith, which obviously is a perfect faith, that raised that boy from the dead. Every miracle requires faith. Every miracle requires an action of faith. Miracles don't happen without your faith, and faith doesn't happen without actions because faith without works is Bible says, you say you believe, great, even demons believe and tremble. I show you my faith by my actions. And every miracle has opposition. Every miracle has opposition. There's a time when all signs are pointing the opposite of the miracle that I'm believing. Hear me. If I don't know that a miracle requires a problem, I'm going to be depressed when I'm going through problems. But when I understand that a miracle requires a problem, when problems come into my life, I get excited and all of a sudden the verse makes sense. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kind because I know that in the midst of this problem, there's a miracle that's pending, that's coming. If I understand that every miracle goes through a season where everything is pointing the opposite direction, I won't get discouraged when nothing I see looks like what I'm believing for is gonna to come to pass because I understand that I live by faith and not by sight. Sight doesn't produce miracles, faith does. So matter of fact, when I can see all the ducks lined up, I get nervous because that doesn't require faith and if it doesn't require faith, then it's not gonna be a miracle and if it's not a miracle, I don't want anything to do with it. Actually, if it's too easy, I get nervous. Because if it's easy, I don't need God. And if I don't need God, it must not be that great. I got a feeling that. They'll better sing in five different keys. <laughs> See, every miracle has a problem. Every miracle needs faith. Every faith needs action. Every miracle has opposition. We think about the miracle that Abraham experienced having his son. It was the impossibility of time. He was too old. It was the impossibility of barrenness. Sarai was unable to have children. It required a faith action. You shall no longer call yourself Abram, you shall call yourself Abraham, the father of many nations. A childless man walking around saying, I'm a father. It's weird. It's only crazy if it don't work. Y'all heard about this fool Abraham? 
He's calling himself a father of many nations. And he don't got no kids. How inconsiderate he is of his wife. Throwing her pain up in her face. He should just be. You know he made her change her name too? Sarai to Sarah. He's calling himself a father. She's calling herself a mother. They see nothing because every miracle requires a faith action. When you think about Esther, when God said, go show yourself to the king and beg for the life of your people. Like, talk about every miracle requires a season when everything looks the complete opposite. She comes to the king and she says, oh, king, this evil Haman has made a decree that all of the Jewish people should be executed on this day, and I am a Jew. (gasps) Like, I mean, (laughs) you can only imagine the drama in that moment. She said, oh, king, save our life. Do you understand that he was either going to save her life or execute her in that moment? There was no in-between. If I was Esther, I'd have fasted for like 40 days. They only had three days because the execution notice was coming. But she begs for her life and the life of the people. And guess what happens, y'all? The king walks out. He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. He just walked out and left Esther with the mastermind of her people's genocide. You see, we read these cute miracles in the Bible, and we don't really think about how it went down. She just made a request that made her life on the line and got no answer. Not only did she get no answer, but there was a gallows, a guillotine that was just created for her uncle to be murdered that was pending in that moment. And it's like, is the miracle going to happen? I don't know. He just left. Did he say anything? What about Jairus, guys? Remember Jairus? Whose daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, had died? And he came to Jesus and he said, hey, can can you pray for my daughter? Can you raise my daughter? And Jesus said, sure. Somebody say amen. Drummer's not here. We've got time. But, But could you imagine the way that he shouted, that his heart lifted, that joy came when God said he was going to do it? God takes one step. And then here comes this trifling woman with the issue of blood who grabbed his miracle and delayed it. Like, you got to look at scripture from the other way. Oh, this woman, she had an issue of blood for 12 years. Everywhere she went, she got worse. She had enough faith to to grab the hem of his garment. Jesus said, virtue has left me. Nobody touched you, Jesus. Who is it? And it's like, oh, she got a miracle. Here is Jairus on the side like, I'm so glad you getting your 12-year miracle. My heart is broken because God said he was going to do something in my life and he is paused and he is not coming. Hear me. 
If we don't understand the trajectory of a miracle, we will tap out before God is able to complete the good work that he's begun in us and we walk away cynical and disillusioned. I'm telling you, you, when I want to be shady, I talk about the church down the street, not y'all. There's some Christians in the church down the street that believe God said no and he actually said yes, they didn't just wait for the process to be complete. Here we are saying, God, how could you? Why could you? Where were you? And God says, it's coming. Chill out. <laughs> Look at you, David. Say something's coming, something's coming, something's coming, something's coming. Something. Just type that in the chat. Say something's coming, something's coming, something's coming. Say, chill out. So I'm to give you just three thoughts, three thoughts, three thoughts to the process of a miracle, the three stages of a miracle, the the first stage of a miracle is what I call the incubator, the incubator, the incubator stage, the, the incubator of a miracle. When I think about a miracle, I think about a baby. When I think about a miracle, I think about a baby. And the thing about a baby is, is there, there's a point of conception. The, but the point of conception is not the point of delivery. Oh we could just preach for a second. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what the point of conception was. Sometimes you don't even really know what went down until there's nausea and, 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 and some uncomfortable signs that something amazing has taken place. Sometimes it's the discomforts of life that show us that we're carrying something that we didn't even know we were. That's why this theology that following Christ makes my life comfortable is actually an anti-miracle theology because there is nothing more uncomfortable than carrying a miracle. There's nothing more uncomfortable carrying an impossibility that's gonna be possible. There's nothing more uncomfortable than carrying something inside of you that's completely opposite to everything around you. It was never meant to be comfortable. And at that point of, in, uh, of conception, you now go into a process where that baby is in a God-made incubator, where everything about that baby's environment is designed to help it grow, to help it develop, to help it get the nutrients that it needs, all for that moment of delivery. It's in that moment when that mother begins to eat more than she would normally do. She begins to sleep more than she would normally sleep. All because it's no longer just about her, it's now about what she's carrying. No, no, no one's put off because you told me that you're pregnant but I don't see a baby. Because we all understand there is a development process for that which has been placed inside. If we only understood there is a development process to every miracle that God is looking to bring in our life. I, I did some just pointless research because I'm, I'm looking for a new puppy. And uh, apparently you can't just like go to Walmart and buy a puppy. Mikey's judging me. He's like, why another one? I don't know. I literally bumped my head. It's, it's whatever, but, but I, they have all these different breeders, and, and if you're going to get a good one, you, you, you got to like, like prepare in advance for a litter to come. 
So I'm learning more than you would ever want to know about puppy pregnancy. Like, pray for your pastor. But I learned that a dog is pregnant for about two months, 60 days. TMI. A human is pregnant for 10 months. A lion is pregnant for three months. Pastor, this is weird. An elephant is pregnant for two years. Every woman in the room said, you can't say that in church. (laughs) Some of y'all need to wash your mouth out with soap. Some of us want a 60-day miracle. But you have no intention of giving birth to a puppy. And if we only understood that the incubator season dictates the quality, the lifespan, and the size of what we're getting ready to deliver. So instead of complaining, God, why is this job taking so long? God, why is my spouse taking so long? God, why is this healing taking so long? God, why is this miracle taking so long? Instead of why, 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 our faith should be increasing and increasing and increasing, saying if I've been waiting this long, this miracle must be bigger than I thought. Some of you are tired of exhausted of praying for a loved one to come to Christ because you've been praying for two months, for six months, for three years, for five years, for six years. And I feel by the unction of the Holy Spirit, God is saying, if they were just going to get saved and be a normal average pew sitting Christian, they would have been saved six months ago. But don't you understand, they're not going to be an average Christian. The work that I'm doing in their life, the power that I'm putting on them, I'm going to use them as an image to the world of what a redeemed life looks like. Puppies are pregnant for six months, six, six, 60 days. A dog's lifespan is 10 years. A lion is pregnant for 90 days. A lion's lifespan is 12 years. An elephant is pregnant for two years. An elephant's lifespan is 60 to 70 years. Quick process. So now it makes me begin to think, how fast do I want my miracle? I I, I was talking to one of my mentors, and they said something that just blew my mind. He said, I try to delay opportunities as long as possible. I ain't there yet, guys. When a door opens. Hi, my name is Steven. Yes, that's spelled with a P-H. Got to make sure when they're writing them checks that they know how to... Here's what he said. He said, I understand that every opportunity matures. And the first offer is never the best offer. And if it is what God has for me, it cannot expire. 
So the longer I delay it, when I finally do step into it, it's bigger than I ever thought it was. Somebody say the incubator season, the, the incubator season. It's that season where, 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 where that embryo, that child is nurtured, is covered, is, is protected. You can see signs of growth. You can see signs of what is to come. You, you, you begin to feel the patter of, of feet kicking. Zoe was a dancer even before she came out of her mama's womb. And, and I would say, put, put your hands here, put your hands here. And she would say, she's dancing. I said, no, 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 that's a Caribbean baby. That ain't dancing. Those are soccer moves. She, she's a soccer player, I'll tell you right now. I remember when I was pregnant with Zoe, we used to do a whole bunch of stuff before she was pregnant. We'd go to concerts and all this other kind of stuff. And I said, hey, you want to go to a concert? She says, no, it's a rough crowd. And they're going to bump my belly. You see, when you're carrying something, you can't go the places you used to go. There's certain rough places that you can go and be fine if you're not carrying anything. But if you're carrying something, the ball game changes. I, I can't go where I used to go. I can't do what I used to do. Pregnant women in the room say, I can't climb the stairs. I used to climb. <laughs> Can't fit the shoes. Okay, calm down. It's amazing that before you were pregnant, people are smoking all around you and you just walk right through it because you're not carrying anything. But all of a sudden, you're carrying something. Like, What's wrong with you? Should be illegal. Because you're focused on what you are inhaling and consuming because you're, if the people of God understood the miracles that we're carrying, we would be more focused on what we're consuming through this stupid app that has nothing but fear and bigotry and hatred and paranoia. When you're carrying something. Luke chapter 1 verse 39 says this. Now Mary arose in those days and went in the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that that miracle leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to get around people that makes the miracle inside of you leap. And the only way getting around other people makes the miracle inside of you leap is when they have a miracle inside of them. You see, Elizabeth and Mary were cousins and they were both barren. They were both told that they were not able to have children. And Elizabeth conceived first, by the way, she was carrying John the Baptist. And when she had her miracle and then Mary had a miracle and those two miracle carrying people got around each other, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit showed up. And that's what happens when I hang out with Pastor Marcus England, one of my best friends on the planet. Give it to Pastor Marcus. 
I wasn't going to do this before, but it just works for the analogy. I, we were having a conversation two weeks ago, and he started to tell me, he said, here's what I think God is doing in America, America right now. Here's what I think God is speaking to us. It had nothing to do with politics. It had nothing to do with racial injustice. It had nothing to do with anything you see on the news. It had everything to do with what God is doing. And, and after that conversation, I said, there's not many people that I talk to that when I'm done that conversation, my faith feels small. And all of a sudden, something leaps inside of me that, no, I'm not crazy. No, I haven't lost my mind because I'm not digging a ditch in my backyard building a bunker. But I'm actually believing that God is getting ready to do something above and beyond we've ever asked, think, or imagined. You got to get around people that makes your faith leap. And you got to get away from people that are smoking fear and doubt and anxiety and worry. You have the incubator stage. Then the second one is there's the birth pains of miracles. The birth pains of miracles. Here's the thing about a baby. The most painful season is right before the greatest breakthrough. trying to be very careful as I preach this message because this entire message I've only been an observer of, <laughs> not an experiencer. And you can see from one perspective, doctor says that, you know, you have the contractions and all that other good stuff, but when that baby's getting ready to come, a woman's entire demeanor changes. <laughs> I'm tiptoeing close to this line. Our, our first daughter, Zoe, don't, don't mess me up. How long were you in labor? 18 hours, something like that? It was a long time. It was a long time. And the contractions were getting more and more and more. And, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there useless. <laughs> and the doctor would come in every three to four hours. And, you know, she's in pain, contractions. We're ready to, let's go. I mean, end of squat, but doctor walking, nope, not yet. You didn't even check her vitals. You didn't even look at her. She's like, no, I can look at her. She ain't ready. And then she walked in. She's like, now. Because there's something that is obviously from God that comes on a woman when she's getting ready to give birth that it's like, Look like Mayweather getting ready to get in the ring. It's like, let's do this. And you know what's amazing? As painful as it is, there is not a moment in that process where anybody is surprised. Or, I didn't know that this was going to happen. You knew your mama told you. Remember that time that you talked back to her? <laughs> if you knew the pain I went through to bring you into. Right before the greatest moment of breakthrough is the greatest moment of pain. And one of the problems when we don't understand the process of a miracle is we miscategorize the seasons of our lives. 
So when we experience pain, we think God's abandoned me. We think there must be sin in my life and there may be deal with it or whatever it may be. And it never crosses our mind. It must be this painful because I'm on the verge of miracles being released. The Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are partake, that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Pain is the pathway to destiny. Everything that you've been carrying, everything that you've been waiting for, that moment that all that you've prayed for is coming to pass is going to be preceded by one of the most painful seasons of your life. If you're not aware of what's going on, you, you in that moment could decide, I don't feel like pushing right now. I've pushed through the last 10 months. I've pushed through, what's Braxton Hicks? What's his name? <laughs> you remember Braxton from the Jamie Foxx show? <laughs> it's a great show. I've pushed through so much, I don't feel like pushing anymore. That doctor gets up in your face. Says one more. You can't see, but I can see the crown of that head. And that dumb husband is standing next to them. <laughs> I don't see nothing. Man, go sit down. And that doctor says, just one more push. I don't know. When that doctor said one more push, I didn't see anything. I thought the doctor was lying, to be honest with you. I mean, just you know, encourage him or whatever. Maybe. You know, one more push. Okay, one more. Okay, one more. Okay, one more. But on that one push, the doctor was able to grab that child and do the rest of the work. Holy Spirit sent me to tell you. One more push. You see, we look at the size of the miracle. Some of y'all are uncomfortable and awkward. I'm sorry. I've had two kids at this point. <laughs> you look at the size of the miracle and you're like, I don't have what it takes to push this out. God says, you don't have to. I'm going to do most of the work. I just need one more push of faith. Just one more push of prayer. Just one more push of God, I trust you. Just one more, I don't care what it looks like, God. You are in control. 
And I'm telling you, God is getting ready to do the majority of the work. He's just waiting for you to say, God, I trust you one more time. You must hear from the Holy Spirit because I'm done. There's a point three, but I ain't going to give it to you. I preached it like two cats will go. Go look online. What's point three? After you give birth to a miracle, you got to raise it. I'll just let you preach that one to yourself. You got to change the miracle's diaper. You got to feed the miracle. Take the miracle to preschool. Miracle's going to talk back. You got to save money because you got to pay for the miracle's college tuition. And if it's a female miracle, God help you because there's a wedding coming. You got to pay for that too. You got to steward miracles. You got to take care of miracles. Y'all get that, right? I feel like the Holy Spirit just got me to the point of delivery. And if you missed it, let me recap. God sent me to bring clarification to the season that you're going through right now. You've seen it as a season of problems, a season of pain. And you didn't realize that you're in the season of miracles. And that pain that you're experiencing is an indication that you are getting ready to release a miracle that God placed inside of you. You've been carrying it, you've been nurturing it, you've been feeding it. And now is the moment where the world is going to see what you are always carrying, but sometimes you, you were wondering, were you crazy? You see, I just talked about all the funny parts of pregnancy, mostly. And I left out all the not-so-fun parts. The parts where you wake up in the middle of the night because you don't feel the baby moving and that fear that rushes. Is the baby still there? Those moments where you go in for the sonogram and the rock doctor says, we, we, we see a hole in the heart and we're, we're not sure what it's going to be and we can't really tell you anything for the next four months. Thanks for nothing. See, it's not easy carrying a miracle. It's not easy going through that moment where everything around you looks like the opposite of what God has placed inside of you. But if you do not grow weary, if you do not cast away your confidence, if you do not allow the shaking of everything around you to shake what God has placed inside of you, you will step into a season that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for you. There's so many things that are happening in this moment. There's a lot of you in this room that there is not a miracle inside of you. You haven't really been believing God for anything. The Holy Spirit just laid on my heart that tonight is going to be a conception process for many of you where you're going to begin to believe God outside of your own natural ability. But you're going to believe that God is able to take problems and turn them into promises, that he's able to take impossibilities and, and make them possible. For some of you, it's not your moment of delivery yet. 
This is just the Holy Spirit sonogram where he begins to show you a picture of what's in you and says, hey, it's growing just fine. It's developing exactly the way that it's supposed to be developing. I, I know it's uncomfortable. I know you kind of just feel icky and you don't even recognize yourself, but trust me, you are on the right track. What is inside of you is right where it needs to be and it's gonna get to where it needs to go. For some of you, it's time to push. Why? more time. Hear me. I wish we can cut the cameras off here and just have a family talk. There's going to be a moment where you're going to blink and you will not recognize this church. You're going to say, what in the world did God do? Where in the world did this come from? And when it happens, don't get it twisted. It was not instantaneous. It was not in a moment. There were months and months and months and years and years and years of carrying pain for that moment. Somebody say, I is the church. You are going to look up and in the blink of an eye, you are not going to recognize your life because of what God has birthed in this season. And people around you are going to get it twisted and they're going to think that it was an instantaneous moment. They're going to have the nerve to say that you're lucky. And I'm preparing you for this. Please don't slap them. Please don't go off on them and say, you have no idea. It's where you get to act like it's just, God is good, he's good. He's good, he's good, he's good. He's good, he's good, he's good, he's good. God's good. God's good. You're going to be all right. You know, for those moms, especially new moms, you go into those doctor's appointments, you're like, I'm losing it! And the doctor has seen so many deliveries. They're like, you're going to be all right. <laughs> and I find sometimes doctors in those meetings, they're not even that comforting. Because they're like, deliver 300 kids this week. You're going to be all right. <laughs> sometimes you just want somebody to tell you you're going to be all right. Destiny Church. You're going to be all right. Hop up on your feet. Y'all, now that we got all of that out the way, you're processing that, right? 2020 has not been a year of tragedy and drama. and It's been a year of birth pain. If you see it in the natural, everybody's saying it's the worst year ever. But if you understand the way that miracles work, <laughs> these are the contractions that are getting to the right. You know what they ask you right before that baby comes? How far apart? And how long? 
And they tell you, hey, until it's this long and this close together, don't even call me. Here we look at a pandemic, and then this, this racial tension just came out of nowhere, and it wasn't that far apart, and it lasted a lot longer. And if you see it through the natural, you're just like, it's jacked up country, jacked up season, jacked up year, it's all jacked up. But if you see it in the spirit, you're beginning, they're long enough and they're close enough together that God must be getting ready to birth something here on earth that we've been praying for, believing for, longing. If I was shakes, I'd be like, get ready, get ready, get ready. When I meet him, he's going to teach me how to do that. Get ready, get ready. Okay, I can't. Get ready, guys. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Hey, y'all, message is over. I'm going to pray. We're going to be done. There'll be the little encore where we send y'all to pick up your kids because Destiny Kids is done with them. But uh, we'll sing one or two more songs. Preach the rest of this message to you, okay? Preach the rest of the message of how you prepare the baby's room before the baby comes. That, preach that message to yourself. You know what I mean? Pre pre preach, preach that message and how you go to classes, connect groups to learn how to swaddle that baby and, and how to feed that baby and how to change that diaper. Just, 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 this is a whole series that I don't have time to preach. So you just get in your car, preach it to yourself. Amen? Lift your hands. Father God, thank you in this moment that you are resting on every single person under the sound of my voice. God, just like the Holy Spirit rested upon Mary and placed something inside of her that man could never do, God, I pray that the same Holy Spirit would rest on every single person under the sound of my voice. And God, that you would impregnate us with purpose, with destiny, with books and businesses and ministries and things that you've ordained for us before the beginning of time. Holy Spirit, I pray for that person that's been carrying that miracle and they're getting ready to give up on it. The pain has been almost too much for them to bear, God. I pray right now that you would give them the strength, that you would give them the hope, that you would give them the joy. You said in your word, for the joy on the other side of the cross, you endured the pain because you know that there would be a victory on the other side. God, I pray right now that you give us the power, the unction of the Holy Spirit to endure the pain that comes before a miracle. God, give us the strength to push one more time. And God, when that miracle comes, we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen in this. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.